here this morning. We are an independent Baptist church, and I want to explain what that means. We believe the Bible. Amen. That's what an independent Baptist church is, the Bible, all right? Amen. We're not a denomination. We're not a part of an association. We're not part of a synod. We're an independent Baptist church who believes that there are people who are saved and baptized, that they have come together collectively to be able to hear the word of God spoken to them. And uh, again, we're not here to hear a man or the preacher. We're here to hear from the Lord. And when you come together, you come to worship. The Bible says we're two or three are gathered together in my name. There I am in the midst. And whether you know it or not, God's here. And uh, God wants to do a work in our life. And I hope that when you come to church that you ask the Lord, Lord, do a work in my life. So if you're a Christian this morning, you need edification, which is, means to build up in your faith, to be a stronger Christian than where you, when, what you were before you walked in. When you leave, you're a stronger Christian. If you have any doubt or question on what it means to be a Christian or what it means to be saved, can I tell you that Jesus Christ, what we've been singing about, talking about, what we'll be preaching about today, is that Jesus Christ is the only one that can take you to heaven. And we're all going to die. And there's only two places. Purgatory is not even in the Bible. So this is the craziest thing in the world that people suck and take in all that the devil gives them about, well, if you live a good life, if you've been baptized, if you go to church. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. How many is glad you're saved this morning? Say amen. amen. Hopefully there's a time you can remember that you realized you were a sinner, bound for hell, and you accepted and believed on Jesus Christ to be your Savior. You know, I want to tell you, it's more than a meal today. If you came today because we're having a Thanksgiving meal, I'm thankful, and I'll be over there, and I'm going to eat with you and enjoy. But it's more than about a meal. It's about Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you something. The meal lasts a very short time. Salvation lasts for eternity. Do you know for sure that you're saved this morning? For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus Christ is the only way. I hope that you're saved this morning. That's the most important thing. Proverbs chapter 1, the Lord has been guiding me to this book. Uh, I've preached two or three times now recently out of this, and I might probably end up doing some more. Um, and just the purpose of that as part of my studying time. I have uh, devotional time and I have study time. And my devotional time is me reading through my Bible, and the Lord gives things that way. My study time is usually either what I'm writing or working on, as far as study, and Proverbs is one of those at this moment, so I mean, you're probably hearing several messages on that because of uh, studying uh, some various things right now. But chapter number one, Lord brought this to my attention um, uh, this morning. I want to share it with you out of Proverbs number one. Look at your Bible now, and let's just pick it up in verse number 20. Proverbs number one, verse number 20. What's the first word in verse number 20? Wisdom, Wisdom crieth without, she uttereth her voice in the street, she crieth in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gates in the city, she uttereth her words, saying, all of those different places, wisdom's crying. Uh, I, the one I always draw out from that is in the chief place of concourse. The word chief means first place, the, the, the main place. This morning, when you came to the auditorium, there were several doors that you could have walked into. So we do not have a chief place of concourse. We might say most people walk in from this door here, but truthfully, people walking in because there's so many doors. When you go to a person's house, there's usually a front door and a back door. But the front door is the chief place of concourse. That's the door that the family uses, the door that visitors use. It's the door. Use the back door for emergency, maybe, but the front door is the chief place of concourse. Now, I want to tell you what this tells me. Wisdom comes in contact with every person. Well, I just would be a whole lot more wiser if someone would teach me. Wisdom is in the chief place of concourse, which means that wisdom has come across your path some way, somehow, if not on a regular basis, and then we have to make a choice whether or not we're going to listen to wisdom's cry. Look who wisdom talks to next in verse number um, 22. It's interesting because the last word in verse number 21 is the word saying, but saying does not say what she says. It says to whom she is speaking to. Verse 22, how long ye, what's the first one? Simple ones, will you love simplicity? And the second one, scorners delight in their scorning and fools hate knowledge. So three types of people wisdom is speaking to. 
the simple, the scorner, and the fool. And again, I'm going to pray and run here in just a moment, but let me just quickly say, the simple person is the person who is easily alert, easily deceived. The simple believeth, Proverbs 14, 15, the simple believeth every word. The simple is referred to a young person. The simple is not just somebody that, it's not somebody that's stupid. It's somebody that's ignorant. And there's a difference between being stupid and being ignorant, all righty? Ignorance just simply means I don't know, all righty? And can I just tell you, young person, that's you. It's at this time in your life. The older you get, the more that you learn, or depending on whether or not you accept or receive uh, or not. But that's, that's a simple person. The second person is the scorner. The scorner is the extreme critic. He's the person who he, not only does he, he doesn't care if he knows, he doesn't want to know. You're not going to tell him anything. He thinks he knows everything. That's a scorner, by the way. Amen. A person who scorns, is, is, ridicules knowledge or ridicules goodness. Last person is the fool wisdom is talking to. The fool is interesting. We often go to Psalm 14 where it says the fool has said in his heart there is no God. But a fool is just simply a person who doesn't care if he knows. Now, there's a difference between a scorner and a fool. Right. A scorner, I don't want to know. A fool, ah, it really doesn't matter. All right, now follow me for a moment here this morning. Wisdom is speaking to these three types of people. The simple, the person who's ignorant, doesn't know. The person who's a scorner, the person who doesn't want to know. The fool, the person who doesn't care if he knows or not. Are you with me so far? Amen. Look what he says next. In verse number uh, 23, again, many of you have been with me for years, you understand that this verse, these first five words, is wisdom's entire message. In verse number 20, it says, wisdom crieth. And verse, 20, uh, verse 20, 21 tells where, he, where wisdom cries. Verse 22 talks about who she cries to. But her entire message of what she says is in five words. Let's read the first five words of verse number 23 together. Ready? Turn you at my reproof. So wisdom's entire message was simply that. Turn you at my reproof. That's all she says. The rest of the verse says what happens if you listen to her. Look at verse 23 again. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will, as mentioned twice, I will, I will. I will, first of all, pour out my spirit unto you. And second of all, I will make known my words unto you. So God says, here's the blessing for the person who listens to wisdom. And what is wisdom specifically saying? Wisdom's saying to turn you at my reproof. And if you listen to wisdom's reproof, God says, I'm going to pour my spirit upon you. And I'm going to make known my words unto you. And those are powerful statements. The spirit of God being upon a person and understanding God's word. Those are two major things. The message I want to deal with this morning is this next verse. Look at your Bible now, verse number 24. Behold, I have called, and ye refused. I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded. I want to deal with that. Just that one phrase this morning, verse 24. I have stretched out my hand. Our Father in heaven, thank you again. I want to say thank you for letting us be in church this morning. Would you again feed us and under, have given an understanding heart, wisdom beyond our years of this passage in Proverbs number 1, the book of wisdom. Help us not to miss what you have for in each young person as well as each older person. Lord, teach us, help us. Thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Church family, um, wisdom here is personified being the Lord Jesus, and again, we'd say God Almighty. And the reason I understand that or I think that is because in chapter number one, as in other places, it's, you've got the personal pronouns, all right? Wisdom crieth without, a person cries. A wisdom crieth without, she uttereth her voice in the streets. The word she is a personal pronoun. Wisdom crieth without, she uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse. You can see that this is a person that is speaking. I want you to look at it with your eyes if you don't mind, but look at chapter number eight. Again, most of this is familiar because most of you probably read the book of Proverbs on a regular basis. There's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. There's 31 days in a month. I would encourage you to read one a month for, or one, one a day per sure, and read through the book in a month. But look at, uh, I'm not going to take time to read it all, but uh, same thing, chapter 8, verse number 1, Doth not wisdom cry, and understanding put forth her voice. But wisdom changes. In verse 17 it says, I love, I being a personal pronoun, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. But look at verse number 22. 
the Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way. In this chapter on wisdom, wisdom now changes into a word, into a person. Uh, the Lord possessed me, I think he's talking about Jesus Christ, in the beginning of his way, before his works of old. I was set up from everlasting from the beginning or ever the earth was. Church family, who has always been? God, right? All right, we can say Jesus Christ, Jesus was God, but we understand that God has always been. All right, look, what, look let me read a little farther here, your, chapter number eight. When there were no depths, uh, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills was I brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the highest part of the dust of the world. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he set a compass upon the face of the depth, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep. When he gave to the sea his decree that the water should not pass his commandment, when he appointed the foundation of the earth. I guess what I'm trying to get you to see this morning is that wisdom personified is God himself. Are you with me so far? I'm just trying to set the premise so we can go back to chapter number one and we have the understanding that when the Bible says he, wisdom, God, has stretched out his hand. All right? Now let's look again one more time. Go back to chapter number one. Now that we've set the premise that Jesus is wisdom or God is wisdom. We understand that. Look at verse 24 now one more time. Because I, God, have called and ye refused, I, God, have stretched out my hand and no man regarded. Now, can I just tell you that God, has his hand stretched out. I think the hand stretched out is both to the lost and the saved. And I think the parallel here in chapter number one is pretty, pretty clear that a person who does not take the hand is in trouble, whether you're lost or saved, by the way. But this idea of wisdom that God wants us the definition of wisdom is knowledge plus understanding, Proverbs 2, verse number 6. The personification of wisdom is God himself trying to, if I can say this way, direct us, protect us, correct us. Now, I think in chapter number 1, it's more than just direction and, and, uh, and protection. I think it deals, deals specifically with correction. Now, Again, I've laid a lot of groundwork, and here's the thought this morning I want you to see, is that God stretches out his hand to us. Are you going to take it? In other words, what is God trying to do in our lives as he holds his hand out? And church, let me think for a second here. As a father and son, Timothy, help me for a second here. As a father and son, uh, sometimes God gives us direction. In other words, he leads us with his hand as far as what he wants in our life. And he does that through sometimes people, and he sometimes does that through circumstance. Amen. Oh, I just wish this wouldn't happen in my life. But God's given you direction. Uh, this last, uh, thank you, I might use you again in a second. This last Thursday, the kids won a candy sale trip to go to, to Silver Dollar City. We got to Silver Dollar City at 12, 1230. We got inside the park. I mean, we're shoulder to shoulder with people waiting for the, the uh, gates to open up for the rides to get started. And a fire takes place at Silver Dollar City. A couple buildings burn down. They make everybody leave the park. Now think about this. We traveled four, five, four and a half, five hours to get there. We're standing there ready to go get on the ride. Some of the kids have never been to Silver Dollar City before to ride the rides and all those kind of things. And we are ready to go in. And all of a sudden we're seeing these billows of smoke coming off of Silver Dollar City. And they make every, fire department's coming. They, make, they close the park for the rest of the day. So when the kids got back together, uh, we, we got them back closer to the entrance. I said, listen, <clears throat> our schedule's pretty full between now and the end of the year. And there's no way for us to make this happen. I said, we got some choices here to make. I said, we can either stay in Branson and we can, do, we can go to casinos and things of that sort and, <laughs> and we can have a good time together <clears throat> or possibly we could wait till next spring and do that. And they, were, they said, hey, listen, and they were kind. They said, Pastor, whatever you want to do. Now, from several of the kids, they said it was a whole lot more fun 
of what we did than if we would have stayed at Silver Dollar City. And I want to just try to tell you something. When that fire took place, that was out of our control. So something bad that took place, God allows, you have to understand that circumstances as well as people, God uses in our life to give us direction. And when we think something is bad, it can be really good. It can be really good. Now, all I'm trying to get you to see this morning is this, is that God's hand is stretched out. And I want to talk to believers this morning, and I'm sure I'm going to go back to if you're lost this morning. His hand is still stretched out if you're lost. If you're not for sure you're on your way to heaven, Jesus Christ wants to save you. For God so loved the world. You're part of the world. And his hand got stretched out the day he put his hand out on the cross, and they nailed him to the cross, and his blood was shed to pay your sin debt in full. And I'm just telling you, if you're lost this morning, his hand is there, but you have to take it. If you don't take his hand, then guess what? You get to pay for your own sin. And the Bible says that if we pay for our own sin, Revelation 20, verse 14, and death and hell were cast in the lake of fire, this is the second death. First death, you stop breathing. Second death, you're in an eternal lake of fire forever and ever and ever. But you don't have to go there. You know why? Because all you do is take his hand. All you do is take his hand. I believe that you died for me, and I, I believe, and I'm receiving you as my personal favor. John 1, 12. But as many as received him, have you received the Lord Jesus Christ, your Savior? Now, Christians this morning, you're saved this morning. Can I just tell you, his hand's still stretched out for you. Amen. You're saved, you're on your way to heaven. That's been settled however many years ago. Your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But can I just tell you that on a regular basis, his hand is stretched out. According to Proverbs number one, his hand is two things, all right? Now, let's look at your Bible again. Let's point out just a couple more things, and then we'll give a couple more thoughts here. In, in Proverbs chapter number one, verse number 24, but I have called and ye have refused. I've stretched out my hand and no man regarded. Semicolon. So what happens, or what was the hand? Verse 25, here's the hand. But ye have said it not all my, what? And would none of my, what? Now, church, let me think for a second here. In verse 24, I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded. No man regarded. Are you with me so far? Say amen. amen. No man regarded. But ye have said it not, his hand now, ye have said it not all my, what's the word? Counsel, and ye have said it, uh, would not regard my, Reproof. Now, I'm just telling try to tell you, according to this chapter right here, what he's referring to is that God's hand is that counsel and reproof. What's God's counsel? God's counsel is his word. God's counsel is the word of God. In other words, when we talk about Apostle Paul in the New Testament, that he, he preached the whole counsel of God, what we're trying to say is, is he preached the book. Now, can I just listen to me this morning? God's hand to you is the word of God. And whether or not you regard it or not is whether or not you take his hand. He goes on to say not only is his counsel, the word of God, that stretched out hand, but also the word reproof. My counsel, my reproof. Now, God uses reproof. Obviously, a reproof is, I think the easiest definition is to bring to light. The word reproof means to chasten, chastisement. Those chastening chastisement usually come from people. Now, God is the one that chastens us, but sometimes he uses people in our life. If you're a parent, we use reproof when it comes to our children's life. Don't do that. You're, get up. Go to school. Sometimes we, we reprove, we chasten, we, we, we verbally correct with, a, with our mouth. Sometimes God uses that through a, a preacher or a teacher or a coach or a parent. But, but can I, watch now. It's this idea of God's hand. Now, Timothy, help me out again here, if you don't mind. Just go ahead and you stand up there. We'll pretend you're God for a second, okay? All right, come down so I don't, just a little bit farther. Two steps down. All right, now you're going to reach out your hand to me, all righty? 
All right, reach it out. So here's what we do as Christians. God is holding his hand out. That hand right there is God's word. That's the counsel that God's trying to give us. That hand right there is God's reproof that he brings into our life and says, hey, listen, I don't think you ought to be doing that. Hey, can I just say, it doesn't matter how old you are, you never get too old not to accept God's reproof in your life. Amen. Pastors get reproved. Parents get reproved. We think, oh man, boy, that child really needs reproof. I was in a store the other day, but has that ever happened to you? You're in a store. Uh, what store was I at? I was at Kohl's, if I remember correctly. I was at Kohl's. Sarah was with me. And uh, Sarah, remember that kid was screaming? The kid was, must have been, I don't know, three years old? Just screaming. And then I'm guessing it was the parent trying to console the child. I looked over to Sarah and said, that kid needs a spank. <laughs> they must have heard me because they left. They just, they just took off quickly. Isn't that aggravating? I mean, to sit, some kids sitting there screaming and you're in a store and you think to yourself, that kid needs a good spanking. Can I just tell you, there are some adults that need a good spanking. Amen. And you don't need a physical spanking. You need to accept the reproof that God's bringing to your life. None of us get to an age where I'm unreprovable. Now, we can be unreprovable by our action, but we are not unreprovable because reproof helps us get wisdom. Amen. Remember me making this statement years ago? Many people want wisdom, but they don't like the package that it comes in. Oh, I wish I could get wisdom. It's worth more than gold, silver, rubies, or all that a person could ever desire. Man, I really want wisdom. But we don't like the package it comes in because it comes in a package called reproof. So here's what we do. God's up there in heaven. He's reaching down his hand to us. He loves us. He wants us to give something that's good for us. And so he gives us his word and he gives us reproof in our life. And here's what we do. No, oh, thank you. I tell you what, sometimes we get adamant. Now, we don't physically do this, but I don't want that. But what God is doing is he gives us his word and he gives us reproof in our life. And God says, my hand is stretched out. All you have to do is take it. That's it. Take it. All right, so what happens if I don't take it? Look at the next verse. Thank you, Timothy. You can see it. Appreciate your help. What happens to this person who didn't take the reproof? You got your Bible there? Look at verse number, verse 26. Six things happen. I will also laugh at your calamity. That's the first thing, calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh, fear. Verse 27, when your fear cometh is desolation, desolation. And your destruction, destruction, cometh as a whirlwind when distress, distress and anguish, anguish cometh upon you. Six things that he says, this is what happens when you disregard the hand of God. You say, Pastor, it's talking about wisdom, disregarding wisdom. But you understand that when he makes the next statement, he says, I've stretched out my hand. He's referring to the wisdom that he's trying to give us. I'm not a good parent, God. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which give it to all men liberally. God, would you give me wisdom to be a better parent? And then God gives me his book and says, why don't you read it? What's he doing? My hand's still stretched out. God has a, a service and something's preached upon and something I'm not practicing in my home. You know what's God doing? Sometimes with that word, word reproof, his hand is stretched out. I don't, I don't believe that. I don't like that. Who does he think he is? No, what you're doing is, is you're shunning the hand of God when God says, my hand was stretched out and you didn't take it. So then he goes through these six things and this is what happens. Calamity means oppression, misfortune. Fear means dread or terror. Desolation means lonely or barren. Destruction means to tear down or wreck or ruin. Distress means to trouble with adversity. Anguish means to be in pain, misery, or woe. Can I just tell you that a lot of times we as Christians, we self-inflict ourselves with all kinds of pain because God's got his hand out there and we say, I don't think I want that. 
Let God be true and every man. Every man a liar. Just a minute. I believe in the pastoral office, but if the pastoral office tells you something contrary to the word of God, God's word's still always true. God says, I've got my hand stretched out. Look at this next verse. I think this next verse is kind of interesting. After he tells what you're going to go through if you don't take God's hand. Verse 28. What's the first word in verse 28? In other words, after you've gone through calamity and fear and desolation and destruction, distress and anguish, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. Now, I don't know about you, but I think to myself, wait a second here. You said in chapter number 8, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. He just got on saying in that verse right there, he says, listen, I don't care if you even seek me early, you're not going to find me. Why? We'll tell you why. Because he just puts this verse right after calamity and fear and distress and anguish, and what he's trying to teach us is this. You don't go to God to get out of the bondage. You go to God to get right with him. Just I mean, so many people are sorry for what the result of their sin is instead of the sin they're committing in their life. God says, my hand is there. Why don't you take my hand? And the problem is this. The reason they're not taking reproof and the reason they're not listening to the word of God is because they still want to do their own way. What's their own way? Look at the next verse. He goes on to say in verse number 28, I'm sorry, verse number 29. For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, they would none of my counsel and they despised all my reproof. What's the first word in verse 31? Now, there's two phrases in verse 31 that I find that's interesting, and I think it's in reference to the previous verses. Verse 31, therefore, shall they eat of the fruit of their own way, and then he says, and be filled with their own devices. Now, church, I mean, here's what I think that this passage is saying. In, verse, in that verse, the fruit of their own way, filled with their own devices. Fruit of their own way, filled with their own devices. What's the fruit of somebody who doesn't take the hand of God? Fear, desolation, destruct, destruction, anguish, all of those things is the fruit of a person. Timothy, I'm a, we're going to switch places. You're coming by here for a second here. Just walk right on by. Take your hand. Draw an eye to God and? Do you understand when a person does not listen to the word of God and does not accept reproof in their life, they're rejecting the hand of God. And by rejecting the hand of God, it puts you farther away from God, not closer to God. Go back down here for a second here. Don't take my hand this time. That's rude. <laughs> when a person does that to God, there, there's a certain fruit that comes with that. It's those six things. So he says, therefore, look at your Bible one more time there. It's, I don't want to misquote it here. In verse number um, 31, Timothy, you can sit down. Thank you again. You're going to get your exercise today. Therefore, shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be full of their own devices? The fruit of their own way is verses numbers 26 and 27. But when he says be filled with their own devices, the word devices means plan or intentions, that's verse 29 and 30. What's the, what is their devices? What's their plan? I'm going to hate knowledge. I'm going to choose not to fear God. I'm not, I'm not going to listen to his counsel. And I'm not going to uh, obey, or I'm going to despise his reproof. I'm not going to obey his reproof. That, that is verse number 31 that they're filled with their own devices. Hey, listen to me, Christian, this morning, if you're not careful, you can get so wrapped up with what you want to do and what you think is right, but it's not right. You know what it is? 
It's you doing your own thing instead of taking God's hand. Yesterday, I'm sorry, I'm just making sure I had an illustration. I want to make sure I don't do do wrong here. Yesterday, my son had a job. It was a Saturday. He had leaf jobs to do. And uh, he told his mother, this is one of my older boys, told his mother that, um, I'm just going to tell you who it is so you don't go hunting down to try to figure out who it is, okay? Were you the son that Pastor was talking about? I'll just tell you which one it is, all right? It was Silas. So Silas had jobs yesterday to do. Silas is in junior church right now. I'm hoping he's in church right now. Silas is in junior church right now. So Silas yesterday had jobs to do. And um, he, told, uh, he told his mom, I talked to my wife about it uh, after I got back from soul winning. And he said he was going put, put, to put them off and he was going to do it next week. He was going to do those jobs. And I, uh, I called Silas. I said, Silas, I said, hey, listen, it's beautiful weather today. I said, you, I would get those jobs done right now. I said, I would not wait because you don't know what the weather's going to be next week. And you're not even for sure you're going to have the time next week. I said, you know you have the time today. I said, I would get those leaf jobs done today. He said, no, Dad. He says, I don't want to do them today. He said, uh, he said I'll just do it next week. And I said, I, I think you should get it done today. He says, I don't want to do it today. He says, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I don't want to do it. I'm just going to tell you, I, I probably wasn't very nice. Here's what I said. I said, okay, so you think you know better than your dad? I said, you don't want to do it? That's fine. Just do your own thing. And I hung up on him. I don't do that very often. Unless it's you. I don't do it very often. <laughs> so obviously he knew I was not very happy. But he's a big boy. He's, I don't know, how old is he? 17, 18? How old is he? He's maybe 18 in January. If you don't want to do it, that's fine. He can do it another day. But I want to tell you something. As a dad, I knew he should have done it yesterday. Amen. Well, I went ahead and got back from soul winning. I went ahead and went out and studied. Got a place and was gone. But um, I got another text from Silas. He says, Dad, uh, is Stephen back? He went soul winning with us too yesterday. He said, is Stephen back? I said, yes. I texted him back. I said, yes. He said, is he with you? I said, no. So Silas arranged to get Stephen, and they were gone until dark last night. Doing leaves, which they showed up at. But you know what he figured out? This is what dad wants. And dad thinks it's best for me to do it. And even though it's not what he wanted, he decided to do what I wanted. Can I tell you something? You have a heavenly father. And sometimes we don't want to do what the heavenly father wants. We want to do what we want. And you know what you're doing? You're slapping his hand away. You know what you're doing? When God gives us counsel and he gives us reproof in our life, I know better than that. I don't want to do that. I can do that later. But your Heavenly Father wants you to do it, and maybe he wants you to do it now. It's just a matter of whether you're going to let the Father do the Father's will in your life or whether you're going to do your will in your life. I want you to see one thing. We're about done. Turn turn over to Isaiah chapter 5. This is interesting. Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5. It's in the Old Testament. Comes before Jeremiah. Isaiah chapter five. Look at verse number one. I, won't, I don't think I have time to all read all this. But now will I sing, now will I sing my uh, to my beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My well beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. 
In verse number two, it talks about this little parable of the vineyard, all the things that he did for it. He fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with a choicest vine and built a tower in the midst thereof and also uh, put a wine press therein. Verse number four, what could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Wherefore, when I looked, it should bring forth grapes, brought forth wild grapes. And now, go, now too, I will tell you, verse 5, what I will do to my vineyard. I will tear by the, uh, take, uh, take away the hedge thereof, and it shall be eaten up, and break down the wall thereof, and it shall be trodden down. And, it will lay, and, and I will lay it waste. Verse number 7, for the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is what? Verse number 8, woe unto them, house of Israel. Verse number 11, woe unto them, house of Israel. Uh, verse number 13, therefore my people are gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. Verse number 18, woe unto them. Talking about the house of Israel. Verse 20, woe unto them. Verse 21, woe unto them. Verse 22, woe unto them. Look at verse number 25. Therefore is the anger of the Lord kindled against who? And he has stretched forth his hand against them and had smitten them, and the, and the hills did tremble, and their carcasses were torn in the midst of the streets. Read out loud the last phrase, verse 25, together. For all this his anger is not turned away. Go over to chapter, chapter number 9. Obviously, God's talking about the children of Israel. They didn't do right. God had to punish them. I, don't, I'm gonna take, I wish you had time to read these passages. We don't have time. I'm just going to pinpoint the verses. Verse number 12, the Syrians, chapter 9, verse number 12, the Syrians before and the Philistines behind, and they shall devour Israel with open mouth. For all this, his anger is not turned away. What's the last phrase say? Verse number 17, therefore the Lord shall have no joy in their young men, neither shall have mercy on their fatherless and widows, for everyone is an hypocrite and an evildoer, and every mouth speaketh fondly. For all this his anger is not turned away. What's the last phrase? Verse 21, the last sentence of verse number 21, for all this his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. Chapter 10 and verse number 4, same thing. All I'm trying to say is this, Israel didn't do right, and God was not very happy with Israel, but guess what God did? You know, we as Christians, we're a sorry lot. He saves us. He gives us eternal life. He gives us joy from being saved. He allows us to have what we call the Christian life and the beauty of America. And we still don't listen to his counsel or follow his reproof. And he's still, my hand's still stretched out still. I don't know if you still got Proverbs for one, but the answer to all this is the last verse of chapter number one of Proverbs. Let me just read it to you quickly here. In Proverbs for one, look at verse number, I think it's verse 33. So if wisdom is God with his hand stretched out still, what am I supposed to do? Verse 33. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. Let's just show me in context when he, when he makes that statement, they should be quiet from fear of evil. Verse number 33, but whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and should be quiet from fear of evil. What's he talking about? He's talking about the person who, I don't need to do that. I don't need to listen to your reproof. I don't need to listen to your word. And God said, that's fine. Enjoy the distress. Enjoy the anguish. Enjoy the desolation. Enjoy the destruction. How, how do I change that? It's real simple. In verse 33, he says it very clearly, but whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and she'll be quiet from fear. You want to get rid of the evil? You want to get rid of the, 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 all the turmoil, all the distress, anguish, uh, destruction, desolation, and fear? You want to get rid of all that? Whoso hearkeneth unto me, hearkeneth unto what? His counsel, his reproof. Amen. 
his hand. Come here, Timothy. We'll let you be God this time. You have one of two choices to make. His hand is still stretched out. The book you hold in your hand still hasn't changed. And the reproofs that he brings into our life, they're still going to point you to Christ. So if I'm saved, his hand is stretched out still. i got a choice. I can say, uh, I still want to live my life the way I want to live it. Or, whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. If you're lost this morning, it's the same application. His hand is stretched out still. I'm lost. I'm not saved. I don't, I've never put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I have a choice to make. Either receive, believe and receive, or reject it. But watch this. Whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. I never have to fear of one second in hell. Why? I took the hand. Hey, if you're not saved this morning, can I just tell you that Jesus loves you and you need to be saved? Christian, if you're saved this morning, I'm just telling you, you might be on your way to heaven, but it's a regular basis where God uses his word and uses reproof in our life, and you have to decide whether or not you're going to take the hand. That hand, come on, have a second here. That hand, I'm God this time. That hand is a hand of direction. That hand is a hand of protection. And that hand, are you ready? Is a hand of correction. <laughs> you know, we don't mind, most of the time, we don't mind this. Okay, show me where I need to go. Oh, man, I'm sure glad he protected me from that harm. What we don't like, that was wrong. We don't like correction. But I want to just tell you something. You know what that hand does? It gives us wisdom. Many people want wisdom, but they don't like the package that it comes in. But wisdom is worth more than gold, silver, rubies, or whatever you could ever desire. I'm just trying to tell you God's hand's out to you this morning. You shouldn't let go of his hand. Amen. Would you bow your head and close your eyes this morning?